Today on People Worth Knowing, I talked to a man who previously lost his job with no notice, yet kept a positive attitude and worked towards building himself back up. Along the line, what happened is I realized that I didn't get depressed by losing this job. I didn't go through the stuff that the, you know, quote unquote experts say is supposed to happen to a a middle-aged guy. I also talk about Jack Dorsey, the man who started one of the largest social media websites used today, Twitter. All that today on People Worth Knowing. Welcome, you're listening to People Worth Knowing. A podcast about the noteworthy, iconic public figures who have shaped our society, brands, communities, and major companies with their thoughts, opinions, decisions, and views. Each episode, we explore how these men and women started from nothing and rose to the top. If you're listening for the first time, thanks for joining us. And now, People Worth Knowing with your host, Nick Harrison. Welcome to the People Worth Knowing podcast. I'm your host, Nick Harrison. And today I am joined by my guest, Tim C. Starr. Tim Starr is a speaker and trainer on the subject of happiness and personal growth. He is a youth mentor and he is a mindset coach. Tim is also the author of two books about the law of attraction and the host of two different podcasts. You can find the links to Tim's books and the podcasts and all of his links in the show notes. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for being here. Thank you, sir. Glad to glad to be here. Simply put, what is your story? I'm a I'm a guy from the south side of Chicago. I was born and raised in. Uh, for anybody who maybe who doesn't know, it, it's a huge piece of the world that is a blue collar, uh, working class mentality kind of area. And um, anytime you grow up in a, a, a strong culture of any kind you can move away from it but you still kind of bring the core values with you i came to california san diego area uh 30 years ago but i still i still relate to uh that sort of blue collar mentality i think but what happened to me is i i got into computer work it support stuff i was on one particular job as a contractor and so I was actually employed by one company but providing services for somebody else they would renew the contract every year and I was there for almost 15 years and um, they were in the process of negotiating we were already into the year negotiating that year's contract and I got a call one morning from my rep who was in New York and he said they they told me to tell you that today's your last day they're, they're taking everything off the table go home and so just like that, I was without a job. And uh, there really wasn't much more to the conversation than, than just that. So I packed up all my stuff and went home to a wife who was, at the time, also unemployed. Life kind of got interesting. It took about two years to find another job for different reasons, in part because in the beginning I wasn't looking that hard. I hadn't really... Uh, taking a lot of real time off because when you're working as a contractor, if you take a day off, you don't get paid. There's no sick time. There's no anything, no holidays. So you tend to just work. Eventually, I did start to go back to work and a little bit here and a little bit there. But along the line, what happened is I realized that I didn't get depressed by losing this job. 
and I didn't feel like you know, I didn't go through the stuff that the you know quote unquote experts say is supposed to happen to a, a middle aged guy. So when I kind of became aware of that, then I started questioning, well, you know, how come? And it really, the answer just lies in the information that I'd been consuming since I was a kid. My mother was a, a seeker for her own, you know, answers all her life. And she shared a lot of what she was digging into with me when I was in my teen years. And so there are people like Robert Ringer, uh, who you may or may not know, but he, he wrote, I believe, the first two um, self-published million-seller books, uh, Looking Out for Number One and Winning Through Intimidation. So some great stuff in there. Um, and then there's other names that are the typical stuff you might hear from people, Wayne Dyer, um, Zig Ziglar, just a, you know, a lot of mindset people. And I consumed the stuff because it was interesting. I didn't have, I didn't, I don't like using the term, you know, to say that I studied it because I, I didn't have any particular uh, objectives with it. I just, I thought it was interesting ideas. You know, if they could lay out a good case for, like, yeah, the big one of the primary uh, foundational ideas is that you know you're responsible for where you are in life. You're there because of choices you made, and if they could lay out a good case for that, I was willing to take that on and accept it. And so what had happened to me with, with this job, I was at an insurance company, New York Life Insurance. Early on, two, three, four years into the job, I, I realized that it really wasn't gonna go anywhere. I had pretty much learned everything that was kind of gonna be new to learn in order to do the job well. And I thought, well, you know, started kind of thinking about maybe I should be thinking about, you know, start my own thing on the side, doing a little something different, this, that, I don't know. But I never had any big motivation to do it because it was a, it was a good job. I was comfortable. I was getting paid really pretty good money for what I was doing. Um, I liked the people I was, I was doing the work for. They, they moved past that client stage to a lot of these people became friends. Uh, became a godfather to the son of one of the, the agents that I was supporting. So you don't have the motivation to go somewhere else. But then the universe came around and, and said, all right, well, you've been asking for your freedom for a long time. Here you go. And, you know, so when it happened, I didn't feel like I had been victimized. Now, they could have done it in a much classier way. They could have been a lot more let's just say adult about how they let me go. I never even got a, a thank you from a single person, you know, in management at the company. They, they, everybody was gone when I got my news, you know. So I was disappointed with that, but it was actually also uh, very much in line with how they do business. But I didn't feel like they had screwed me necessarily. Right? It, I had been asking for a way out. And the only thing that I didn't get was I didn't get it on my terms. So that was a lesson learned. But I, I didn't, because of that, I didn't feel like, you know, I was a victim. And so I didn't get depressed about it. And I didn't, I, I guess I never sort of self-identified with, well, who is Tim Starr? I'm, oh, I'm a, a computer support person, you know. And so if that title goes away, suddenly my, your identity goes away. That, that, I never looked at it that way, I guess. And that's a big piece of, of what people have to deal with when this happens to them. Basically, when that 
sort of realization came to me and I said, you know, if I can learn this stuff, anybody can learn this. And I know people who need to learn this stuff. And then I just sort of decided I was going to spread the word a little bit, I guess. And I'm not the first person to do it. Uh, you know, this is old news, but um, different voices, different delivery methods, different, uh, you know, sometimes people just, they need one more month to hear the message again and suddenly it clicks, you know. So if I can help somebody, I'm happy to do it. Well, you kind of have, have led into this uh, with with your story that you just told, but how important is perspective? It's everything. In fact, there's uh, I've got a program from Wayne Dyer, and he literally says perspective trumps everything. You know, I, I believe that what we all really truly only want, the thing that we are after every single day, we want to be a little happier. We want to be a little happier today than we were yesterday and a little happier tomorrow than we are today. And if we can continue the upward uh, trajectory of that that graph, you know, towards bliss, then we're not going to care much about anything else that happens. And if we could be walking around with a big stupid grin on your face all day long, you just wouldn't care about anything. Uh, you know, the sky is falling. Ah, so what? I'm happy, right? And um, it kind of, you know, I've got a. I've got a, a short presentation that I've done where I talk about this, the universal question, you know, uh, that from every culture, everybody seems to relate to the question you've been asked by your parents, by your, you know, authority figures of some kind here at some point, you know, after you've done something stupid that you probably were told not to do, it's not going to turn out well, and you did it and it didn't turn out well, somebody smacks you on the back of the head and says, well, are you happy now? And that question, are you happy, goes to the root of, of I don't know, our, our human existence here. It's, it's what we're trying to get to. And it's the, the ultimate reason we do everything that we do. We, we at some level, think that this is going to make me happy. And the, the logic behind that decision may or may not be any good. But it's, it's still the reason. What is the number one reason people are unhappy about stuff in their lives? Is it the is it the perspective? It's it's just what you're focused on. Let's say goal setting for an example. We want to you know you're growing up whatever you want. I want to be a millionaire. I want to have a million dollars in the bank. You start doing whatever the work is that that you find that's going to take you in that direction, and you work hard and and um, you're making money and lots of depending if your focus is on the money chances are very, very high that between point A and point Z, where where the money actually sits, that pot of gold, you're suffering all along the way, right? Because success doesn't come in a linear fashion. You, you, you don't just go here to there. You've got all these hurdles to deal with, all of these stumbling blocks, all these people that want to stop you from getting there, all, all whatever. If your focus is on just that end goal, you don't understand that that these hurdles, these these objections in life are. That's where the value is. That's where that's where the lessons are, right? If you could snap your fingers and go to the end and have the money, you'd still be dissatisfied five minutes later because the money itself doesn't do anything. But if you if you're paying attention as on your journey from here to there, you realize once you're there, you can realize that I learned on my way here 
what I didn't like about what I was going through, or I didn't, I've learned some, you, you gain a different perspective on what is valuable in life. The money itself isn't, isn't worth anything. It's, it's the freedom that it can buy you. It's the things that it will let you do. But if all you have is money and you don't have any sort of perspective on what's going to make you happy to do with it, you're going to be dissatisfied and, and you're going to say, well, you know, I got my million, so I'm still not happy, but maybe, maybe it's because I need 10 million. You know, and then maybe I need a hundred million or a billion, whatever. It's not that the money itself. I really wish that we could start thinking in terms of what do I want to learn from life, and then say what are you know what are the lessons I want to learn? What are the the things that are really going to be important for me, and then set goals based on that. But we don't do that. We look at oh, what do I want in the end? What do I think I want? You know, then along the way from here to there, you learn a particular set of lessons. But maybe those those lessons are not things that you you really want to learn. Well, oftentimes we all try so hard to change things, whether it's in our mm-hmm. personal lives, our personality, our our temper, um, in our business lives. So we often, you know, we try so hard to change things, but we often make so little progress. Why is that? Is that because of perspective, or is that something else? Well, perspective is always a piece. You know, we all have. The, you know, it's called the lizard brain. Um, we've got this hardwired built in function in our brains that's that's designed to keep us safe. Right. And it's the fight or flight mechanism. And basically the bottom line is your inner that unconscious self says that anything that's new is going to kill us. And its job is to keep us alive. And so its purpose then becomes to keep everything as it is, to avoid any and all change, regardless of whether or not it makes any sort of rational sense. And so we can look at something that we know on a conscious level is really good for us to do, but something inside just prevents us from doing it. And that's what it is. Whatever it is, it means change. And to that way deep down unconscious, sometimes it's called ego, it's, it changes death. And so we won't do it. And so we may t- we, the, the conscious mind may take us on steps to a certain point, but there is going to be hurdles. There's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be walls that we run into created mostly by ourselves. The biggest ones, the toughest ones are, are the stuff that we create for ourselves. The stuff that you know the world brings us, the universe—that—that's we can handle that. It's getting past our own inner roadblocks that is, that are the toughest. And so you can you can set out to change anything and everything in your life. Uh, you're going to have to look inside to make real progress. Tim, whenever you were telling your story um, about losing your job kind of leading into how important perspective was and how you didn't play the victim because that was basically Mm. getting you nowhere. Why is it that a lot of people like to play the victim card? Because it's, it's habit. It, in a lot of cases for a very long time, it gets us what we want, right? Sometimes it's just attention, but generally speaking, we want to avoid confrontation. And if somebody is making a scene somewhere, and playing the victim card and you're doing this to me or you're doing that to me or it's not my fault, you know, then uh, we don't want to start trying to hold up their own responsibility in their face because it's it's a difficult thing and maybe it's not our responsibility and 
And, you know, are they even going to listen to us? That kind of thing. In order to be successful, I've heard in the past that they say if you want to be successful, it is important that you need to be outside of your comfort zone. You need to go outside of the, the realm that you're used to thinking and being in. In your opinion, is that an accurate statement? Is that important? Or what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's true. You know, it, it, this comes to sort of comes back to what I was just talking about and that, that unconscious desire to keep everything absolutely as it is. If you want something to change, you've got to do something you haven't been doing. And that means, by definition, that means you're going to be outside your comfort zone. It doesn't mean that it has to be tremendously uncomfortable. And this is a thing that I have a kind of grinding my teeth on a lot lately is, you know, if you go to, uh, to seminars or if you read sort of self-help books or um, business building, you know, sales books and things along these lines, you're going to hear these kinds of statements is that you got to you got to do things you haven't done before. You got to get outside your comfort zone. The problem is that sometimes the message comes across as not just you got to get a little uncomfortable, but you got to get really uncomfortable. You know, I sort of talk about the, the comfort zone as being sort of your, your living room at the house. And you can get outside your comfort zone just by stepping out the front door. But the message that we sometimes receive is that you got to step outside the front door, but go get in your car and drive across the country and be so far away from your comfort zone, you can't see it, you can't even remember it. Somebody who gets that message if they're not used to doing that, then they're going to go back to bed. But the reality is it, it, it doesn't need to be that way. You can be like you can be outside your comfort zone just by stepping out into, outside your front door and your arms reach of the door and you can run right back to your comfort zone if you want to. Outside that door is another environment. It's a new world. You, you don't have your television and your, your couch to sit on and stuff. And different things happen out there than what happens inside and nothing new happens inside right so you have to get into a different environment in some way shape or form and uh, you know i like to joke about some you could walk outside your front door and somebody is driving down the street throwing hundred dollar bills out the window of their car and you know you can make a fortune but if you're not there to do it then it isn't going to happen but yeah you've got to get outside your comfort zone for anything to change but it doesn't mean that it has to be this big scary monster that you have to deal with. My life today is different than it would have been because a year ago I did something that I normally wouldn't have. What happened was I was on somebody's email list and he sent out this email saying, hey, you're gonna, I hadn't heard about the event prior to this. He's having this event and uh, giving away a, a certain number of free tickets. If you're interested in going, then, you know, go to the webpage over here and tell me, you know, see what it's about. And, and if you're fit, send an email and, and uh, you know, we'll see. And so I went and checked it out and, and they had a bullet points of who is this for? And, and if there were five bullet points, I probably could check off three or four of them. And I thought, yeah, this sounds good. This is me. So I went back and I sent him an email. And uh, a couple of hours later, I got an email back saying, uh, thank you for your interest in coming to, you know, th this event. And, and, uh, but I don't think you're a fit. And my first reaction was to say, well, all right, you know, I tried. He said, no, but then, you know, I don't know, something in the back of my head kicked in and said, well, wait a minute, you know, you'd be only responded because you thought you were a fit for this thing. So I went back to the page 
And I looked and yeah, I still would check off three or four of those, those bullet points. And so I got, I honestly, I got mad and I was like, I, you know, this is annoying. I went through the trouble of, of doing this stuff and, and you're telling me no. So I, I went back, I sent him another email and I said, according to your page, this is who this is for, pop, 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 pop. And this is me. And blah, 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 blah. I kind of gave it to him with both barrels a little bit. And inside of, I think, 20 minutes, I got an email back that said, I'd love to have you. And as a result of that, first I, I became uh, convinced that I needed to do my own podcast. And doing the podcast brought me into contact with amazing people. So I'm, I am now talking with people who I never would have ever spoken to before who are doing stuff that I know a woman who has cured herself from cancer when, when medical, you know, the Western medicine couldn't do it. We met a couple who channels. I don't know if you're into that at all, but the, the information coming from them, just phenomenal. In fact, one guy who's a friend of mine, who's uh, his son committed suicide just out of the blue. Uh, and the stuff that he's doing now as a result of that uh, is just incredible. I, it, you hear it a lot. Everybody's got a story. And it's really, it's true. It, uh, there are so many people doing so many really cool things. But guess what? If I hadn't gotten mad and sent that that, ex, that one email outside of my comfort zone, if I hadn't argued, I wouldn't meet 99% of these people. Right. I just happened to know this one guy. Yeah, your life can change really just like overnight if you just do some small thing that you wouldn't normally do. Tim, where can people find you online? Uh, the place to start is just uh, my personal page. is timcstar.com. Star is spelled with one R. Um, there's links there to the existing podcast. I've got another one. I'm going to start uh, start recording on that with that in January probably. Um, but if you start at timcstar.com, you'll you'll get links to everything else. Well, Tim, with your commitment to not playing the victim, not getting depressed, and simply building your business life back up after losing a job so abruptly, you are now on our list of people worth knowing. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Like many people, I am all over social media. One of the social media platforms that I'm on personally, as well as for the People Worth Knowing podcast, is Twitter. By the way, you can find us on Twitter at People Worth Knowing. That's our handle. It's PPL Worth Knowing. People Worth Knowing. Speaking of Twitter, Jack Patrick Dorsey is somebody worth talking about. He was born on November 19, 1976 in St. Louis, Missouri, in the United States. Dorsey is an American businessman, web developer, and is best known as the co-founder and CEO of Twitter. He is also the founder and CEO of Square Incorporated, which is a mobile payment gateway service provider. His father, Tim Dorsey, was a worker at a company that produced mass spectrometers, or spectrometers, if you will, and his mother, Marcia Dorsey, was a homemaker. Dorsey has been born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, and is of English, Irish, and Italian descent. He has been raised to follow the Catholic religion and has an uncle who is a priest in Cincinnati. Dorsey attended Bishop DuBerg High School, a Catholic institute in St. Louis, where he was a tennis player, worked for his school newspaper, and was a computer club member. 
It was during his time in high school that he started programming. He had an unmistakable interest in computers and would often spend a considerable amount of his time studying the first versions of IBM computers. Dorsey was only 14 years old when he wrote his first programs for taxi dispatch and firefighting companies. His interest in dispatch routing and the technological challenge experienced in coordinating fleets of vehicles such as taxi drivers, ambulances, and delivery vans had inspired this. His open source software is still used today by some taxicab companies in dispatch logistics. Dorsey was a stutterer and as a result was known to be very silent during his young age. He reportedly gave up on medicine and fixed his problem by continuously taking part in various oratory competitions until he could speak normally. After finishing high school, Dorsey attended the Missouri University of Science and Technology. Two years later, he transferred to the New York University Tandon School of Engineering. New York had always been his childhood dream city, and it was where he came up with the idea of a service of sharing short messages and status updates with friends. Dorsey, however, didn't stay long enough to finish school and get a degree since he decided to drop out. Despite his dynamic personality, Dorsey is not married and is still single to this day. He has, however, dated many women. Lily Cole, a British model, and Kate Greer, who is a yoga instructor, are some of the women he is believed to have dated. Dorsey moved to the Sea Cliff neighborhood in San Francisco in 2012. It has sweeping views of Golden Gates and the Pacific Ocean. He usually takes Saturdays as a break from his extremely regimented week schedule. He takes this time to do various activities like hiking, long walks, dinner with friends, or even drive to South to the Bay, something he considers as one of his best activities since it makes him feel part of the epic nature and gives him the feeling of being in a completely different world. When interviewed by the Business Insider about his stylish way of dressing, Jack Dorsey confessed that he was no shopper and has no personal stylist. He just knew what he liked. Ernest Sohn jeans, created by Scott Morrison, are one of his favorite brands. He is also a big fan of Kendrick Lamar's rap music. Jack Dorsey literally hacked his way into his first job in a large dispatch company in New York. He found a security hole in the company's website and emailed the company telling them how they could fix the problem. The company would later hire him a week later. In 2000, Jack Dorsey moved to Oakland, California, where he concentrated on searching for a better career. He continued working on dispatching as a programmer and started his own company of dispatch couriers, emergency services, and dispatch taxis using his own dispatch software. His company failed to meet his expectations, and the few years that followed were accompanied by some struggles. For almost five years, Jack Dorsey freelanced and at some point even attended massage therapy courses. He, however, did not give up on his idea of creating a service which would include short messaging and sharing status updates between friends. Dorsey later approached Odeo Company in Silicon Valley, San Francisco, headed by Evan Williams, a talented programmer and businessman who had previously worked with Sergey Brin at Google. The company specialized in internet startups. In October of 2006, he teamed up with Evan Williams and Biz Stone to form the Obvious Corporation. Dorsey shared his envisioned idea about short messaging service and status updates. It took Dorsey two weeks to create a site through which its users could instantly post short messages of up to 140 characters called tweets. 
The corporation name would later evolve to Twitter and named Jack Dorsey its CEO. He left the CEO position for a while to explore fashion design and yoga. In 2008, Evan Williams took over the position of CEO and Dorsey returned to become the chairman of the corporation's board. By this time, Twitter had already gained popularity and was creating revenue. In 2009, Jack Dorsey, alongside Jim McKelvey, a computer science engineer and entrepreneur, founded Square Incorporated. It started as a mobile payment company, but eventually added financial management services into its operations. Dorsey is still its current CEO. In 2008, MIT Technologies Review TR35 named Jack Dorsey as one of the top 35 innovators in the world below the age of 35. In 2012, Jack Dorsey was named the Founder of the Year in the 5th Annual Crunchies Award, hosted by TechCrunch. He also received the Innovator of the Year Award for Technology from the Wall Street Journal. In 2013, Forbes named Jack Dorsey as the world's most eligible bachelor. Jack Dorsey was also named a new member in the Board of Directors of the Walt Disney Company on December 24, 2013. Jack Dorsey's worth as of September of 2016 was $1.2 billion. His latest net worth, as stated by Forbes, as of August 11th this year, 2018, was $5.5 billion. Jack Dorsey is both a powerful CEO and the creator of Twitter, making him one of the people worth knowing. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the People Worth Knowing podcast. I want to invite you to visit us online at peopleworthknowing.com. You can find us on all of our social media sites by links on our website. Thanks for listening today to People Worth Knowing. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the People Worth Knowing podcast with Nick Harrison. Connect with us at peopleworthknowing.com, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and more, so you'll never miss an episode. If you found value in this podcast, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. We will be back with another episode soon.